0: there's a famous story that I'm sure all of you are familiar with. It's a Hasidic story and I saw it in a book and it was brought down the wrong way, so let me set it straight. The Rebbe's name was Zusha and he was the brother of the Rebbe of Melech, Rebbe And Zusha of Anipoli was known For his modesty, he was humble, he was the quiet one, he was not the learned scholar at all, but Zusha was wise beyond. And so the story is told, and there are many Zusha stories, the story is told that on Zusha's deathbed, as his students gathered around his deathbed, they could overhear Zusha's conversation. And Zushia said, God, when I come to heaven, they're going to ask me, are they going to ask me? He said, are they going to ask me? Zushia, why didn't you achieve the heights of Moses? Zushia, why were not you like Rabbi Akiva? Zushia, why couldn't you be like Mike? Zushia, Zusha, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you?" And the students overheard him say to himself, no. Zusha, and he often spoke to himself in the third person, Zusha. (laughs) He said, Zusha, when you go to heaven, the only question they'll ask you is, Zusha, why weren't you Zusha? Zusha, why weren't you Zusha? The poet Mark Nepo, whom all of you know, is one of my favorite thinkers and writers, he brings this story, and then he writes this. We are born with only one obligation, to be completely who we are. Yet how much of our time is spent comparing ourselves to others, dead and alive? And this is encouraged as necessary in the pursuit of excellence, yet a flower in its excellence does not yearn to be a fish. And a fish in its unmanaged elegance does not long to be a tiger. But we humans find ourselves always falling into the dream of another life. The dream of another life. We could say that we know people for who are living a dream of another life. And we know people who are not, people whom we would never characterize with that statement, oh they're living another life. And over and over this week as I thought about this theme, one sentence came to mind and I found it in Time, in Newsweek, in my daily conversations with students and congregants. One phrase captures someone who is living the dream of their life. Over and over again, people say to me, they're comfortable in their... Skin. They're comfortable in their own skin. It's an interesting phrase, if you think about it. Being comfortable in your own skin. And as this is the time of the year when almost every rabbi I know of says, "Oh, I can't believe we're at that part of Leviticus. Oh, you know, the part of Leviticus that deals with scaly disease, skin afflictions, all manner of cultic conversation. I'm reminded of the adage from the third century mystical text called the Book of Formation, Sefer Yitzirah. The Sefer Yitzirah, the Book of Formation, has an ingenious way of talking about this very notion of being comfortable in our own skin. Ein lamala mi oneg. There is nothing greater, the Sefer Tira writes, than oneg, O N E G, ein nun gimel, oneg, and nothing lower, nothing worse than nega, N E G A H. In the English, it doesn't do justice to it, because the three letters that form there are three letters that form both of these words, and they're the exact same letters. The word in Hebrew for pleasure, oneg, and the word in Hebrew for the only disease that the Torah describes. The only disease in the Torah is called nega in all of its forms. Tsarat, whatever, nega. the quintessential disease of the Torah. N-E-G-A-H, nega, nun gimel ayin, an affliction of the skin. And the reason for that is, as my, one of my Rebbe's or Moshe Weinberger said, is because, and this is my phrase but it's his teaching, there is nothing in the Torah like original skin. <laughs> original skin. When you find one, you find one, you know. It's It's known in all of the traditions as the illusion of separateness. The sense, as one thinker said, that we are ego, skin-encapsulated egos, that we begin and end at the skin, is at the root of almost every mystical tradition's assertion around why we suffer. Nega, the skin disease of the Torah, is quintessentially a conversation about what it is that we use to create separation. In fact, the rabbis go so far as to say that the core punishment that nega is for is for something called Lashon Hara, or Motzi Shemra, speaking badly about another. Gossip, in other words. That gossip is seen as the archetype of the sin that brings in its wake nega. Miriam, the sister of Moses, when she spoke out against her brother, was stricken immediately with tzarat, with nega. And from this, the rabbis learned that when you, when you say something that is socially socially destructive, when you tear the fabrics that tie, or better, when you ignore when you're not aware of, when we are not aware of, how vital and how important it is that we maintain the sense of unity, especially when we speak about others, then we are, and so to speak, we are nega. We come to a place of nega. But it's deeper than that. Nega is more than just separation. Nega is the fundamental Losing of one's inner place. Rav Cook, the first Chief Rabbi of Palestine, wrote in an amazing point about this. Hanikudai el yonash the uppermost point in every soul, hi yodat et erka birachva pnimit. Everyone knows deep inside what our deepest inner value is. And when the soul is in its healthy place, she is pleasured by the divine. Another way of saying that is, is that when you are centered, you are connected with your deepest, most inviolate uniqueness. That part of you that is divine, that is called the dignity of human beings, the soul, call it by whatever name you want, but that place that is comfortable in its skin, my inner world, my inner value, my inner calling—who I really am meant to be. But when we lose that, Rav Kook writes, when we lose that place, but when the desire, the will, loses its way in its inwardness, yes, yasur oneg le'nega. The chush, the sense of pleasure that we have with our own beingness, our own unique calling, our own fingerprint. Someone once called it a soul print, if you will. Our own unique map of the world that we alone were given. That my eyes and your eyes, though they might look at the same horizon, see it uniquely. When we lose that place, we are in a place of nega. We are afflicted with the skin disease of wanting to be in someone else's skin. Nepo continues, and this is what he says. He says that when we are winded, he says, being human though, we are often troubled and blocked by insecurity, that windedness of heart that makes us feel unworthy. And when winded and troubled, we sometimes feel compelled to puff ourselves up. For in our pain, it seems to make sense that if we were larger, we would be further from our pain. If we were larger, we would be harder to miss. If we were larger, we'd have a better chance of being loved. And so it's not surprising, he says that others need to be made smaller so that we can maintain our illusion of seeming bigger than we really are. Zusha would smile. Zusha would say that in the moment of asserting that we want to be in somebody else's skin, at exactly that moment we need to remind ourselves that there's one thing God wants from us in the world. There's one thing that the universe wants from us. There's one thing that we should want from ourselves. is to be able to articulate what it is that is me. What it is that belongs to me. What is it that is my work to do. And mine alone. It's not up to us to finish the work, but we certainly can't do the work unless we do our work. It begins here. And the beginning of the beginning is... What is it that is in my skin? What is it that is my calling? And to rein in the comparing mind that sees what is going on on the outside and says, oh, I wish my insides were like your outsides. (laughs) God should bless us, bless me, bless all of us. That in a culture that is constantly pulling us from our inner core outside and telling us to measure up, that we hear over and over again that we can be comfortable in our own skin, in the original skin, the skin of light that God has given each and every one of us when we are in access to that point and the kudapni meat that is our own story, our own birthright. And we can say together, Amen.